You're listening to the Brooke Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith, faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooke Snow. You have episode 31, Finding Your Life Purpose. Do you know what your life purpose is? Or do you wish you knew more about it? Today's episode is a fabulous, practical guide to figure out this all-important question. Because the truth is, all of us have a life purpose, uniquely individual to the story of your own life. I'm excited to walk you through the most powerful and simple exercise I did years ago that gave me clarity on my own life purpose, and it's been a guide to me ever since. If you've ever felt a little lost in what your purpose is in this big old world, then stay tuned. I'm going to lead you one giant step closer to figuring that out for yourself. If you enjoy this podcast, I know you would love my book, Living in Your True Identity. It's available on Amazon and filled with 21 tools to help you live life as the best version of yourself. Thank you to everyone who has left a review for this podcast on iTunes. Reviews are so helpful in helping this podcast to show up when other people are searching and it's the only way that this show grows. I am so grateful for every one of you who has left a review and who has texted your friends and shared episodes. It means the world. Thank you so much. Today's review of the week comes from Bristui. She says, I have your words run through my mind daily about holding the space for my family. I do not always do it well, but I love putting a name to what is happening when we all end up mad at each other. <laughs> it helps me plan for what I know is coming when I ask my kids to play piano, do their chores or homework. Thank you. I am enjoying this podcast. Ristui, thank you so much for your review. My most favorite reviews are ones like this where you have put into practice the things that we talk about here. Holding Space, episode 24, it still ranks as my most popular episode to date and I'm still getting reviews and emails and comments about it. It's amazing what happens when you understand the science behind emotion and the power that you have to raise the emotions in your own home. I'm cheering all of you on in this grand unending effort. This is a practice and I know you can do it. If you want to be the reviewer of the week, please leave me a five-star review in iTunes and share your favorite takeaways so far. Your ratings and reviews and your shares, that's what makes this podcast possible. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing. I'm so excited to talk about finding your purpose. Every week in my introduction, I talk about having faith in your own mission and purpose. And I thought it was about time that we address this all-important topic. <laughs> In addition, I was so honored to recently be interviewed for Studio 5, Utah's fabulous lifestyle TV show hosted by Brooke Walker. This month, they are highlighting individuals who are living their life purpose, and it has been really inspiring to hear the stories of those that they've profiled. And I am honored to have been invited to work with Studio 5 producers to share my own story of living my life purpose as well. I'm going to link to that interview in the show notes of this episode if you'd like to watch it. When the production crew came to my home to interview me, they spent close to two hours at my house. I talked a lot, I answered a lot of questions, and we filmed a lot of footage. It's amazing how that much footage is reduced into a quick few-minute highlight. <laughs> I was grateful for their interview questions, and I found myself thinking about all the things I could have said after it was all over. <laughs> but guess what? I have a podcast and I could totally expound on any topic I want. So thank you for indulging me today in going deeper into this concept of life 
purpose. I think it's something so important to talk about because it gives our life meaning and direction. So I want to share with you a little bit of my story. How is it that I have come to know what my life purpose is and what actually is my life purpose? I was someone who always thought I knew my purpose. I knew exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up, even when I was a little girl. I remember telling people I was going to be a music professor, (laughs) which coming from a five-year-old's mouth was probably a bit stunning since it's not that glamorous of a job. But to me, it embodied two things I loved most, music and education. Studying music as a pianist and a composer was the focus of my life all through grade school and high school, and I never once even considered anything else when college came. I was certain that this was what I was put on earth to do. My entire life was focused on cultivating this dream. My dream was to write music that would change the way people thought about something. I was very drawn to composing music for voice and choirs because I wanted the power of words to help me convey my message. My undergraduate degree was filled with amazing opportunities to have my work performed in so many venues. Naturally, my path led to graduate school. My big profound dream was to write sacred music, to teach gospel principles through song and text, to change how people understood and applied spiritual principles simply from experiencing it through music. Whatever school I chose for graduate school needed to support this vision. I only applied to one school, BYU. Not only was it a private church school, but had a highly respected music program. This would obviously be the most amazing fit, right? Unfortunately, my experience in the BYU music composition program was one of the greatest letdowns of my life. I arrived with beautiful dreams and expectations of writing sacred music, and all of that quickly came crashing down. I was the only girl in my program. The entire faculty and grad students were male, which sort of gained context to my scholarship since it was required to be awarded to a girl. (laughs) I felt like the odd one out, but the biggest devastation came within the first few weeks of my classes. My first private lesson, my teacher told me that the faculty had met together to talk about me and they knew that I wanted to write sacred music. However, they collectively decided that I would not be allowed to write vocal or choral music during my program and that I must abandon my previous musical style. If I wanted my music to get a passing grade, it must be written in the style and medium they dictated, which was experimental avant-garde music, which basically means that the only people that would ever appreciate the work that I would write would be other academics. My dream of writing music that the general public could understand and be moved by would have to be put on the shelf. If I was willing to do that, then I could get an A. This news was devastating. (laughs) I felt like I had just experienced the worst bait and switch of my life. Too proud to back out and choose a different path in life, I opted to move forward with hope that it would somehow work itself out. Each week we'd gather together with the composition department and we'd take turns playing the pieces we were working on and we'd receive feedback from the faculty. 
A fellow grad student one day proudly walked to the front of the class and he debuted his new piece that was written for clarinet and vacuum cleaner. I'm not joking. <laughs> he plugged in the vacuum cleaner, turned it on, and then took out his clarinet to play along with the blaring white noise. Once his performance was complete, the faculty members eagerly praised his great creativity. And one professor excitedly said, that was amazing. Have you ever considered writing for a choir of vacuum cleaners? I was totally baffled. I felt like I was caught in the story of the emperor's new clothes. <laughs> if you're not familiar with that story, it's a, it's a children's fairy tale where swindling hoodlums come to make fine new clothing for the emperor and convince everyone that they're using the finest threads and the most stylish designs. But truth be told, the clothes were imagined. Too prideful to admit that he couldn't see the clothing, the emperor parades around the kingdom wearing nothing at all while all the other villagers in the kingdom pretend along with him that he's dressed to the nines. It's only upon a child's cry from the crowd who states, but he's not wearing anything, <laughs> that everyone suddenly drops the mask of pretending to see something amazing and the hoax is fully revealed. As I sat in that classroom with professors praising this piece that was written for the vacuum cleaner and suggesting an entire choir be added, I felt like that child in the emperor's crowd, but it's not music. <laughs> now, truth be told, I spent an entire semester studying the question, what is art? I have read every famous philosopher's writing on the subject. Technically, art can be anything. It is in the eye of the beholder. I get it. For my own experience, though, every day of my graduate school experience felt like I was tailoring the emperor's new clothes. I wrote music with my head not my heart. Finishing graduate school is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Several times I tried to quit. I met with the director of the School of Music to air my grievances, and he patiently listened to my story. And then he sat back in his chair and he said, Brooke, I completely understand. We need your diversity of thought here. Please get your doctorate and come back and I'll hire you to be on the faculty. I laughed out loud. I could hardly finish my master's. The thought of getting a PhD sounded like torture and the thought of returning to the same situation even worse. Shortly afterwards, I met in secret with a famous composer who had also come through the same program. He shared stories of his own similar experience. He invited me to leave the program and to study privately with him as an understudy. Looking back, I probably should have accepted his invitation but it felt too unconventional at the time. Nevertheless, it was really helpful to receive validation from these two confidants that I wasn't imagining things. It really was the emperor's new clothes. It took three difficult years. Somehow I managed to finish. I remember walking across that stage to receive my master's degree, tears, streaming down my face with relief of being done and yet feeling like I had sold my soul. For my entire life, I had believed that I was put on earth to write music to change the world. And now I felt nothing but dead inside towards music. I grieved my dreams. My passionate fire that had burned steadily for 25 years was now completely gone. 
Once school was done, I couldn't bring myself to write. I'd sit at the piano to compose something, and all I could hear was my professor's criticisms of my musical style being a sellout. It was five full years before I ever wrote anything again, and it would take even longer before I fully healed and fully forgave and made peace with the experience. For 25 years, I thought I knew my purpose. It was music. Until it wasn't. I easily turned to photography as a distraction in grad school. It was creative, artistic, fun, and no one was telling me that I had to do weird stuff to make something acceptable. Before long, I was teaching photography and I felt like I had found my passion. I loved teaching. It was thrilling. But six years in, I started to feel burned out. Photography was not a subject I could endlessly be excited about. I thought it was my purpose until it wasn't. In a bold move, I switched tracks completely and I started teaching online courses in personal growth and development. I chose it specifically because I knew it was something I would never tire of and I would enjoy learning for the rest of my life. Now I'm wise enough to now know that this too could pass and my career path could totally change again. But by now, I actually do know my life purpose. And surprisingly to me, I discovered that my purpose had never changed, but my careers did. Seven years ago, I took an online course from Donald Miller called Creating Your Life Plan. It was an amazing course. And although the course is no longer available, the course book can be found on Amazon. It's a process I highly recommend taking the time to do. I'll link to the book in the show notes, and I credit this book for much of the content of today's episode. The most impactful exercise that Don had us do was to plot the story of our life from past to present on a timeline, paying particular attention to highlighting our positive life turns and our negative life turns. All stories are made up of positive and negative turns. Now, the rule with a story turn is simple. A story turn is an event that takes place after which you will never be the same. So think of a story turn as a doorway. Once you cross through this doorway, there's no going back. Story turns are also entirely subjective. For some, a seemingly minor event in their life may have been a story turn. And for others, the events are maybe more heavy and monumental. A positive story turn might be as simple as winning the spelling bee in the fifth grade. Maybe it's the first time you realize that you were intelligent or it could be finding a soulmate. A negative turn might involve losing your job, a divorce, or tragically the loss of a loved one. All of us, when we reflect on our life from past to present, can identify moments that turned our life, be they negative or positive. So I remember doing this exercise and taking the time to write down my own positive and negative turns. I wrote about graduate school. I wrote about different teachers in my life who symbolize both negative or positive turns. I wrote about opportunities like college, a mission, performing groups. I wrote about life milestones such as getting married and later becoming a mother and starting my own business. I wrote about big life trials that shaped my life for years. When looking at your life on a timeline of positive and negative turns, it's important to step back and look for patterns. Is there a recurring theme that arises? 
Where does God show up in your story? Many of us will see a theme running through our lives. A theme might be God was with me or God uses me to love people. In my own case, I saw over and over again the theme of God uses me to teach others. As I mentioned, I've gone through three big career shifts in my life, music, photography, and personal growth coaching. Even though my career has changed many times, the theme of teaching has always been present. God uses me to teach. Even my personal life, it's full of teaching. All of my friendships are filled with conversations of me teaching. I simply can't help it. So much of my hobbies are filled with me learning and teaching. It's been really interesting to see how even though what I do has changed many times, my purpose of what I am doing has always remained the same. It's the theme of my life. I think it can be easy when we think of our life's purpose to identify it as what we do rather than why we do it. Remember, your life purpose is the why, not the what. I'll say that again. Your life purpose is your why, not the what. My life purpose is not being a musician or a photographer or a podcaster or a writer or any other role. My purpose is to participate in God's work through teaching and however many endless ways that happens. What I do may change over time, but why I do it, my purpose remains the constant pulse that fuels all I do. If you feel like you are searching for your own life purpose, I invite you to look for your why. Invite you to plot your own life on a timeline, noting the positive and negative turns. Then look back. Do you see a pattern? How has God used you? What is a recurring theme? How does this show up professionally or personally? Can you see a purpose revealed in any of the events that you've gone through? Right now, I'm thinking of a friend whose purpose is in loving people. God uses her to love others. Everything she does is centered around this. Another friend has a purpose of happiness. God uses her to bring joy to other people. Another friend has a purpose of healing. She has a gift of walking people through pain and suffering and helping them to heal. Another friend has a purpose of empowering others. She has a gift for helping them see what is possible for them and then moves them to take action. Another friend of mine has a purpose of connecting people together. She has this gift for bringing people together in collaboration and uniting them in a cause. Another friend, she has a purpose of bringing beauty into the world. Another friend, the purpose of helping people see their true self. Another friend has a purpose of telling people's stories. And finally, another friend has a purpose of strengthening families. She has a gift for helping others learn how to interact in their relationships in a loving way. This purpose shows up in their personal lives and professional life. Some of them don't even have a formal career at all, yet they live their purpose in every interaction they have. A life purpose is not necessarily a career, though you may manifest your purpose through a career. In the simplest of terms, a life purpose is a spiritual gift of how God uses you to save others. In the Old Testament, we read about Joseph, who was sold into Egypt. 
If we were to take his life and plot the positive and negative turns on a timeline, it may look something like this. Joseph hears from God in a dream that he will be very powerful. This is a positive turn. Next, Joseph is thrown down a well because he bragged about it to his brothers. This would be a negative turn. (laughs) And then he's taken into slavery, a very negative turn. But he excels in slavery and he ends up running Potiphar's house. And Potiphar is a commander in Pharaoh's military. This is a positive turn. Then he is unjustly accused of seducing Potiphar's wife. So he's thrown in prison. A negative turn. Still, the prison is a special prison for members of Pharaoh's government. And Joseph continues to excel until he ends up running the prison. A positive turn. While in prison, he interprets the dreams of two of Pharaoh's confidants. A positive turn. But when they get out of prison, they forget about him. So he spends at least two more years waiting for justice. A negative turn. It's only when Pharaoh has a dream himself that Joseph finally stands before the seat of power. And because of all of Joseph's negative turns, he is uniquely capable to advise Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream and advises the leader on next steps. Pharaoh then makes Joseph second in command, positive turn. And why was Joseph qualified? For many reasons. First, he could empathize with the marginalized. He was thrown in a well. (laughs) And he could understand how the military worked. And he'd need a military to expand government powers. He learned about the military by running Potiphar's house. And because he ran the prison, he had intimate knowledge of every facet of Pharaoh's government. Because of the positive and negative turns in Joseph's life, he was uniquely qualified for the power he'd been promised. Not only this, but by the time he'd been given power, his heart had changed from an arrogant young kid to a wise and powerful leader. So what if the events of your life have prepared you for something too? Both the positive and the negative turns. They've prepared you. At the end of Joseph's story, he says something interesting. In Genesis chapter 50, he says, All the hard events in his life were given him so God could use him to save many lives. He may not have understood this in the moment, but later he could see God was using him to save many lives. The life theme or life purpose of every major character in scripture, every leader who follows God is the same. They are participating with God to save many lives. Abraham, he's used by God to save many lives. And so is Moses. David saves lives when he cooperates with God. And so does Solomon. The apostles who built the early church were single-focused, save many lives. If we would like to participate in what God is doing in the world, we must help him save many lives. In a very grand, generalized sense, we all have this same life purpose, to save many lives. And then, in a beautifully unique, individual sense, We are each called to do this in our own way. I am helping save many lives through teaching. My friends that I mentioned earlier 
are helping save many lives through love, empowerment, healing, happiness, connection, beauty, telling stories, strengthening relationships, and discovery. How is God using you to save many lives? Once you figure this out, it becomes a guiding star, a decision filter. Once you know this, you can make focused choices on how to lead, what responsibilities to commit to, and and find confidence in the many ways God is guiding you to fulfill your mission and purpose in this life. Once you know this, you can more fully bring your purpose into what you are already doing in your life. Once you know this, it doesn't matter if your circumstances change, if your season of life changes, if your work changes, because your purpose stays the same. Knowing your purpose brings color to your world. It brings focus and an intention. You know why you are here right now in this situation with these people and how you are to contribute. Friends, you have a purpose. I know this. But having a purpose doesn't mean everything will be rainbows and unicorns. A purpose brings clarity for your decisions. It is a guide. But in many ways, purpose also comes with resistance. I love to teach. It is in my blood. I spent four years teaching personal growth without ever making any money, even though it was technically a business. I should have quit so many times, but I couldn't. I couldn't not do it. I love to teach, but not every moment that I sit to write out a podcast does it come easily. This episode is probably the hardest one that I have ever written. It didn't start to flow for hours. And when it finally did, I started to tell a story that I've always been afraid to share publicly. Sometimes it's hard. But knowing it is my purpose is what puts me in this chair. It's what commits me to show up. Because I have been called and I am choosing myself to do this. Last night after working on this podcast about life purpose, I took some time to ponder upon a struggling relationship in my life. I was feeling anger towards this person and some resentment and taken advantage of. And I didn't want to feel those feelings. So in effort to clear those emotions from my heart, I used one of my favorite writing tools and I journaled stream of conscious thought. I wrote every thought out. I wrote exactly what I was feeling. And at one point I wrote the words, why do I always have to teach her everything? I'm always teaching, 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 and I get nothing in return. That very moment, it was like I was struck by lightning. <laughs> I had just preached earlier that day all about my life purpose is teaching. And here I was unconsciously upset that I was being used to teach in one of my relationships. I was so humbled. Suddenly a relationship that seemed only moments before, like I was being taken advantage of, was suddenly turned around and I could see how God had given me this opportunity to live my purpose. I had a complete paradigm shift. The Lord showed me how it is in the act of teaching that I learned the very most. I'm never not getting something in return because this is the way which I personally learn and grow. Friends, your life purpose is worth discovering. It's not always easy. It's not always filled with passion and magical opportunities, but it serves as one of the greatest compasses to your life 
that you can ever have. It gives meaning to your roles, your trials, your work, your relationships. It filters your decisions. It is your individual path of personal growth and the way in which you will develop the very most. When you are clear on your purpose, you will start to recognize personal revelation more clearly, and you can partner together with God to do the work he needs you to do. In an autobiography of Dwight Eisenhower, he talks about his mother's belief that every child should be raised to understand that if they didn't exist, their family would fall apart. Imagine that for a second. Imagine a world in which every person understood they were needed in the world, that they could be the solution to a problem. Eisenhower is best known for being president of the United States, but before he was president, he led the troops in World War II, uniting the allies in the fight against Hitler. And why? It's likely because he was raised to believe the world needed him and even expected something from him. Do you know the same is true for you? I mean that question literally. Do you know the world needs something from you? Are you intimately aware the positive and negative turns in your life have prepared you to participate in God's effort to save many lives? There are probably days when you may feel like your contribution may not matter much. God created you and he created you with the power to bring light into darkness and order into chaos. You are necessary. And the sooner you believe this, the sooner you'll bond with God in living a great story. Your story. Your story that is filled with purpose. Purpose unique to you. Next week, I'm going to talk more about what to do with these negative turns that you write down. If you want this episode to be most effective for you, I invite you take time this week to write out your own life turns. It takes time and it's work. And it's also really fun and revelatory. And who knows, you may just find your own life purpose in the process. Imagine your life, living your purpose and look forward with faith. If you listen to these episodes and you love what you hear and you wonder where to start, I invite you to take my Christian meditation 40 day challenge course. Meditation is my most important practice of the day. And I use it for so many things, communicating with God, creating my goals, working through problems, getting ideas, connecting with peace and love, being grounded, having clarity and living my purpose and so much more. You hear me preach over and over the importance of the small and simple things in life. And this one, this area is huge. It's small and simple, but it's huge at the same time because it yields results that are massive. But consistency is the key. That's why I love that this is a 40 day challenge. The challenge is to do it for 40 consecutive days. Starting a new habit and even more so being consistent with it can be tricky. This is why I offer every student a free buddy pass, allowing you to handpick your own friend or family member to take the course with you. You get your own accountability partner and you both do the challenge together. Two people start a new empowering practice instead of just one. If this is calling out to you, I invite you to register at the link in the show notes or find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. I am cheering you on.